Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay. So my name is Janine Jay um, from uh, Western New York area, Niagara County. Um, as a kid, I wasn't really allowed to have any pets. Um, we had one dog. It was my brother's dog. And that was a little poodle, but I never, ever was allowed to have a pet. So um, that kind of set the stage for me later in my life being, um, you know, being a dog lover. I actually at that time was more of a cat person um, until I uh, was older, married, early 20s, and I ended up um, getting a lab rescue from the SPCA and fell in love with that dog and that was my heart dog and turned me into a dog lover and then since then I've had a few um, various types of dogs I've had Nikita I've had a reservation mutt I've had um, uh, miniature pinchers and um, a Dalmatian mix and uh, that's all I can think of at the moment but I've had various types of dogs um, I started doing agility with my Dalmatian mix and um, fell in love with the sport and wanted to get a herding breed that was different from the typical border collie that everyone has for agility um, I I just don't like to do anything the way anyone else does so I was looking for something unusual and I had my min pins and they're a German breed so and I have German ancestry so I looked up started googling German herding breeds and the German coolie popped up which is basically the same thing as an Australian coolie just a different name and um, I thought they were gorgeous and I found um, them to have the right temperament um, that I wanted. So I set about trying to find a, a breeder and called the breeder expecting to get on a list. And she told me she had a puppy ready for me that she could ship out the next day. So I ended up saying yes. And, um, actually it was on my birthday and I didn't want to tell my husband, <laughs> I wanted it to be a surprise kind of for me because I knew he would have said no so um, I got my daughter to take me out to I had a it was the airport was in Rochester so it was a couple of hours drive so I got her to pretend that she was taking me to a movie and dinner for my birthday so we went to the airport picked up the puppy brought him back home my husband was mad at me for about 15 minutes and then um fell in love and um, then after that I got another coolie about a year later and then a couple years after that about four years later I got my third coolie and decided that I wanted to breed so um, that's where I started um, importing uh, I've imported a few coolies from Australia, and uh, that's where I started breeding and um, creating my own personal line. I felt very honored with it because at that time there were only, um, I believe there was only one coolie breeder in North America and only one in Canada. And I felt. Um, that it was an incredible honor to be able to share this breed with the world and that my breeder trusted me enough to give me this um, responsibility mm -hmm. and um, 
definitely being a preservation breeder is something I, I very, very much like. I, I love the fact that there are uh, rescue dogs out there that anyone can breed but, or anyone can rescue and have a wonderful pet. But a lot of times they can be difficult. Um, you don't know what baggage rescues come with. And um, these breeds, older breeds, um, unusual, more rare and unusual breeds, breeds that are land races or that have been, um, you know, like isolated in a certain country and not really known throughout the rest of the world, are just amazing uh, historically in terms of the evolution of the dog. Mm-hmm. and evolution of dog breeding. Absolutely honored to be able to um, try to do my best with um, putting coolies out there, well-bred, mm-hmm. well-socialized, healthy coolies out there in the world. Sure, there's really, honestly, a lot of disagreement about that. Uh-huh. Um, we We think that... Or I guess the the going belief, the going theory is that German settlers in Australia, hence the term German coolie, Mm -hmm. um, brought over an old um, German European herding breed with them. And that is called the Tiger. It's spelled like tiger, but Mm -hmm. it was pronounced Tiger. And it was a Merle um, breed of herding dog. And there's a lot of belief that that led to the creation of the coolie. There, in modern um, coolies, there can be Kelpie, Border Collie, or Cattle Dog in the lines. Uh-huh. Um, and so those were likely breeds that went into the creation of the coolie. Um, there's also... Um, uh, rumor or maybe uh, urban legend that there is dingo in them um, and I honestly I don't know if that's true or not but a lot of people claim that dingo is part of their um, ancestry right um, let's see um, so some people think that the word coolie refers to and, and it is can be a derogatory term, but it actually, um, the derogatory term coolie with a C refers to, um, I think, Chinese um, indentured workers near nearly being in the condition of slavery mm-hmm. for working, not quite, but, um, but anyways, the term may have originally meant worker. So, there are some people that have suggested that German coolie refers to a German working dog. Mm-hmm. Again, this is all hearsay. Um, I don't. We don't have a consensus on where the breed came from and what um, went into creating them. Uh, but then, at some point in time, um, the Coolie Club of Australia. Um, voted on changing the name to being spelled with a K and the word Australian instead of German to reflect the Australian heritage and using the word K, the coolie spelled with a K to um, be more different actually from the word Kali. There's also people that believe just coolie is basically a colloquial pronunciation of the word collie. So again, there's a lot of little um, interesting tidbits that go into the story of the coolie, but as of this point in time, it's all, um, you know, it's, it's, it's all, there's not a huge consensus. Mm-hmm. They, um, well, they are, yep, they're a herding dog, but they also did a lot of guarding. Um, so if people were out on a drive um, or a muster with their sheep or cattle, 
um, they, the coolies did protected them from intruders. Um, they are an upright, loose-eyed herding dog. It's a little bit different from a border collie. They don't use eye. They um, supposedly have been bred, and again, a little bit of controversy on this, but they've supposedly been bred to back large herds of sheep. So that's a trait that the coolie has. A coolie loves to be on top of everything. Mm -hmm. They prefer to not walk on the ground if at all possible. They like to be, like they give a new name to, um, a new meaning to the term counter surfing Mm -hmm. because they will be up on your counter with all fours (laughs) and trying to get in your cupboards. They very, very vertically inclined. Um, So this is believed that um, well, this is from being bred to back the herd of sheep. So in order to get from one end to another very quickly of a large herd of sheep, they'd run across the backs of them and then get to another spot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, they were a working dog that um, served the purpose of... Um, of herding as well as guarding. Guarding, mm-hmm. They are bred to have an off button, which cattle dogs and kelpies typically do not have. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be what would be the huge difference between those three Australian breeds. Um, kelpies and cattle dogs seem to have a drive to work constantly. And um, coolies were bred to have a very, very strong natural off button so they can sit around easily and just relax um, and truly relax, not just be in a position, but truly relax Mm -hmm. when you need them to. And then if you need them to get up and uh, run for miles with, with... with the herd of sheep or whatever, hiking, agility, whatever you're doing, they're always in for the game. But when you're ready to relax, they'll just chill out and relax. We don't have a, uh, a definite standard. A different, especially in Australia, different breeders will breed depending on the type of work that the dog is going to do. So you can get Coolies that are bigger boned, taller, stronger, if they're going to be herding cattle. And you can get uh, coolies that are very petite and smaller boned um, if they're going to be herding sheep or, um, or like ducks or, mm-hmm. or fowl. In the U.S., the standard is looking, and again, I'm not referring to anything in terms of, you know, technical terms. But the look people want in the U.S. tends to be uh, more towards the, in North America, more towards the lean, long neck, long legs, pointy ears, pointy nose, uh, very appealing visually mm-hmm. type of look. But like I said, that's one of the things that I like about the coolie. And one of the reasons that they are a very healthy breed because they're not overbred for a particular um, standard. The standard is work-based. Right. And we are hoping to stay away from the AKC. Right. We like, um, there's a lot of people that have different thoughts in the coolie world. Um, not everybody likes each other. But the one thing I think that we, get, we agree on is that we would like to keep them out of the AKC. Um, we, we like having, um, the, you know, the open stud book. We like having the ability to, um, sell dogs that look differently and that are good for different, um, purposes that can be used for, uh, sports or for herding or as I breed a lot for search and rescue. Um, we like having dogs that can have different um, different qualities and to retain the versatile quality that the coolie breed has.
um, we want the option to be able to use like a cattle dog mm -hmm. or um, there's even been talk of using some very primitive breeds um, that are more like land races uh -huh. and um, Kelpie or adding a border collie for a generation just to add some different, you know, uh, different genetics to, um, because there's this, the coolie world is fairly small and especially yeah. in North America, our, um, our bloodlines are limited. Right. And I've, I've imported four different dogs from Australia and probably will import more in the future. And there's a couple other breeders that have imported dogs from Australia too. And, and we try to work together to bring as much unique um, DNA into North America to use for breeding. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it, you still sometimes get painted into that genetic corner where a lot of dogs are, are related. And that's, for me, that's the most important thing is the health. So, yes, um, absolutely, we want to have the possibility to add something else in to enhance the genetic makeup of the breed. Well, there is a DNA test. Um, Embark Vets does breed, or excuse me, does um, have Cooley on their list of dogs they breed for. But to my knowledge, I don't think they um, look into what breeds made it up. They yeah. just look for the specific signature of the coolie. Well, I think um, part of it is people that want to compete with their dogs in sports have to compete with them as mixed breeds in AKC if they're not recognized by AKC, right. which is fine unless you might be planning on breeding that dog because the, um, any mixed breed that competes in AKC has to be spayed or neutered. So that's an issue. Um, there are some, you know, like just different club organizations, um, just sports clubs, the not registries that recognize the Cooley um, as a breed so that you can enter them for competition with the breed name. But for the most part, you have to rec enter as a, a mixed breed. And um, some people don't like that either because then they don't, you know, if they do really well with their dog. Like, for instance, I have um, one of my puppies belongs to a, a girl in Canada, and she is the first coolie. Her dog is the first coolie on a world team in agility, mm. and which is huge. It's a huge, huge honor. Um, but... She has to uh, register the breed there as, as a mixed breed. So actually, it's Canada, so they call them all Canadian. So even though we know this is a coolie, the rest of the world may not know. And that's part of the, um, the reason that even a lot of primitive breeds want to do this. They want um, other people, you know, the world to know about the breed. In my opinion... I think the coolie's becoming a little too popular. I like when it was very, very unpopular. I like that about it. It still is. There's still not a lot of people that have them or even know what they are, but they are very, very popular in the U.S. and North America. A lot of people really want to have them, and um, a lot of people have been getting them. Um, but the, the, the drawback is that you kind of lose con the, the stud book closes and you kind of lose control over what um, the standard of the coolie then becomes. And um, the breed club would write that standard, but then it's kind of is written in stone and it's not acceptable to have dogs that don't fit that standard and it also becomes when you're con considering when you're showing in confirmation whatever the popular standard is becomes what the dog starts to look like and the popular standard may not be beneficial 
I think we've seen that in a lot of AKC breeds that the popular confirmation standard is not necessarily conducive to an amazing working dog. It kind of, it becomes more like a beauty contest. And, and you see like, even like border collies, for instance, you have the AKC border collies look a certain way. Mm -hmm. And um, then there are working border collies. There's the working border collie association and those dogs look and act completely different. Um, you can see a difference between show golden retrievers and field golden retrievers and a lot of other breeds. So there then becomes this schism between what's recognized by AKC and um, what's not. And those that are not tend to become the working lines. Right now, there's kind of an unspoken rule that we're supposed to not be charging a lot for selling coolies mm -hmm. because we're supposed to be doing this, which is, is, is true, but we're supposed to be doing this for the breed, for the love of the breed and not as a money-making, um, you know, pro prospect, mm -hmm. which I can vouch for. You don't make a lot of money when you're breeding. Um, but yeah, once a dog becomes AKC uh, recognized, and especially if there are, are champion dogs, um, those dogs end up um, litters from those dogs can end up costing a lot of money. So yes, for the breeder, there's a, is a financial benefit to that. I um, breed for number one, first and foremost, genetic diversity and health, healthy um, health from uh, diseases that we can test for, um, healthy hip scores and elbow scores. And then I, I breed mostly for, for um, I like to have my dogs go into search and rescue or some kind of scent homes. Um, I like to breed for a working dog in that regard. I want a dog that has um, emotionally is very resilient, um, brave, bold, um, very athletic, and um, has obviously a very good nose. I like to have them be very um, biddable um, and uh, good with people and other dogs. Structurally, I tend to go a little bit towards the smaller size um, coolie. My females are typically about 30 pounds and about, say, 18, 19 inches at the withers. Um, males, about 40 and about 20, 21 inches at the withers. I like a nice, strong, athletic build. Mm -hmm. um, I prefer a little bit longer legs. Um, but I also like a nice, uh, nice square um, balanced mm -hmm. dog. I, my coolies have excelled in that. I do not still do it. I have gotten more into um, search and rescue and other scent related things. And I also own a training business. Um, so I work a lot with um, behavior issues, fear, aggression, mm -hmm. um, and that takes up a large amount of my time. Right. My first coolie my first one was the first coolie in, in the United States to get an AKC title. Um, she did amazing. She's a fabulous dog, very athletic, fast, fabulous dog. Um, and then I competed with my next dog in agility after that. And that was when I kind of um, started to burn out with agility. Um, I do train a couple dogs in agility that I have right now, but I don't compete. Mm -hmm. I don't, I just don't enjoy the competitive side. I like 
um, I find there's too many people that uh, have uh, sports equipment, sports equipment rather than pets. And that is not something that I want for myself or my dogs. My dogs are ultimately my, you know, my family members and um, I, I will do something with them them if they enjoy it but that's it yeah i i feel you 100 percent on that yeah yeah i love doing search and rescue and uh scent related things with them i'm teaching one dog to track um i um have done a little nose work i have um trying to get into some areas of conservation um so tracking invasive species for example um blood trailing for hunters or shed hunt. Um, I'm, tra- I'm teaching some of my dogs all these different things. And uh, I even have started teaching one of them to trail missing pets. Wow. So we've got a lot of, um, a lot of things going on. And I, pretty, I, I think the coolie, I think that's one of their best traits is their nose. And so I, I just have embraced that with them. Some of the upsides is, well, I think all the upsides are also potentially the downsides. Uh-huh. Um, a coolie is a very, very sensitive breed. Um, they are, some people call them soft. I don't like that word because I don't think they're soft. I think they just... Um, they insist on having fair training. They don't really want to work for you. They want to work with you. And I always jokingly say, coolies don't like to work at all. They only like to play. They're clowns. Mm-hmm. If you are able to go out and work with your coolie and keep it fun and laugh and make it into a game, you'll have a dog that'll do anything for you. But if you get too caught up in the concept of training and and you know, you can't step outside of that that training box. Or if you're using aversives with the breed, um, I, I think you'll struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, they are very, very, very smart. They will um, show you every single hole in your training. If you um, don't come prepared, they will notify you that you aren't prepared. And... Um, they um, will, they can very easily learn something that you didn't think you were training them, but they will pick up on it. They're very knowledgeable about body language. They really, like, I almost completely try to communicate with my dogs through body language, through eye connection. I don't do a lot of obedience training. I, I do um, more, um, you know... I work with them through their natural tendencies. Mm-hmm. So um, they are smart. They can do obedience. They can do any sport. They're very versatile. They are good at scent. They're good at hurting. They're good at agility. They're good at um, being an active pet. They're good at mountain climbing. They're good at hiking. They're good at disc, um, fly ball, um, dock jumping. They're good at just about anything you can throw at them. Um, they are, they're thinkers as opposed to, um, a lot of people compare them to like an Aussie or a Border Collie. How are they different from that? Border Collies and Aussies tend to be more action dogs and they just go and they'll do something before thinking about it. And it's sometimes hard to get your border collie and agility to think about what you're asking them to do. Mm-hmm. Whereas a coolie will start thinking and you won't see their speed or drive until they have um, mastered the thought part of what you're asking them to do. And when they've mastered that, then they start to come out and, um, and uh, really show their incredible drive and their incredible speed and athleticism. Um, they make really good service dogs. They, my, mine, uh, my first coolie has started 
from a very young age alerting to migraine headaches when I was going to have a migraine. I don't use her as a service dog. I don't feel that I need a service dog, but yet she still alerts to any time I'm going to have a migraine. And she also um, would, if I was, when I was doing agility with her, she would refuse to run with me if I was sick. That it happened a few times that she literally walked away from me and left the ring when I was sick and refused to, refused to let me run. Um, quite a few other people that I know that have coolies and they may have a health issue. Their dog has started to alert to that health issue as well, um, like seizures. I have uh, someone that owns uh, one of my puppies that her dog started alerting to her seizures. Um, they're very, I always say that the coolie knows you better than you know yourself. They really, really get inside your brain and know what you're thinking and know what you're, um, what you're feeling and act accordingly. And you, you say that once they get inside, they kind of, they're able to, to kind of relax and, and be kind of a... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They can be out running full speed, hiking. Mm -hmm. And then if I want to go in and I don't feel good or something and I just want to lay down for a day, they'll just be at my side. Yeah. They have excellent off buttons. And do they shed much? They, yeah, they do. Yeah. They do. They can have a shorter coat. They can have a variety of length coats. Okay. From really short to um, more of a border, co border collie length. I tend to go for the shorter coat, but they do still shed. I wouldn't say the shorter ones don't, don't shed a, a huge amount. But they definitely shed. Well, I still get a lot of people that are interested in sports. Mm -hmm. um, the main sports people are looking for is typically agility or uh, disc. Okay. But I do get a lot of people looking for um, dock jumping dogs. Yeah. Um, and I get some people looking for a herding dog. Mm -hmm. um, for me, I at this point in time, I tend to... Um, kind of market myself to either people that have already gotten a dog from me or people that they have recommended. Um, someone that has gotten a dog from me, some people that they know and have recommended. Or a lot of, you know, the, the nose-related sports. So I um, have just, I'm just placing a litter right now and I've gotten two search and rescue uh, dogs are going to search and rescue homes. Um, one to a truffle hunting home. I really, really like putting my dogs into um, search and rescue. I really, um, I've had a lot of success with the people that have um, done search and rescue with my dogs. Um, they do, they do fabulous. They are very hard workers and have great noses. Are they using? So I like to. I like to market in that direction, but I will. I also love active pet homes. I don't think they're a dog for a sedentary lifestyle, mm -hmm. um, but I love active pet homes because a lot of times those people are way more active than even sports people. These people might be out running every morning, biking, um, uh, ski touring, um, you know, snowshoeing, hiking, canoeing. So these dogs get a lot in a, of fun enrichment but still are able to just be a dog there are people using them as um one of the someone that owns one of my puppies her dog is doing blood trailing so if a hunter shoots a deer or other animal and doesn't kill it and it gets away and it's running the coolie will trail the blood mm -hmm. until they locate the dog, the the deer or whatever the animal is mm -hmm. um and there are also some of them out there doing shed hunts so looking for the deer's antlers right. which are 
kind of lucrative. Have you uh, known any to do any like Schutzen type work? Training? A couple. Yeah. There are a couple out there doing Schutzen. Yeah. Yeah, and I think they're doing quite well at it. It just seems like these athletic dogs can do just about anything you train them to. I mean, oh, to, they sure can. To to what uh, to what success is different, but they're very versatile. You know, you could yeah, you could take a border collie, in my opinion, and you could train it in in schutzen and dock diving, and it it will it will be athletic and perform well, in my opinion. If you got oh, a good, absolutely. good dog, and, and that's what I look at as a coolie. Yeah. yeah, they may not be the, you know, like Schutzen, for instance, you have your Malinois and yeah. Dutch Shepherds yeah. that are winning everything, but so the coolie may not be the top dog, but it's going to be able to do it very well. Yeah. Coolies, I have my, my first coolie um, actually was quite successful at dot jumping she was a 25 foot jumper in her day and she is 13 years old now and i just we have a little dot jumping league going on that she's in and last uh, the last competition day we had she jumped a 20 foot jump oh that's awesome and um the rest of her jumps that was the longest she's done this summer but for 13 years old that's that's pretty damn good. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I What I liked about it is, yes, if you want to, you can do a lot of training and, and help your dog excel. But it's just a fun sport to do. If, you're, as long, if your dog will jump, doesn't matter how far, it's a fun sport to do. They often are at, like, fairs and, and um, you know, like... Um, different kind of um events mm-hmm. outdoors where they'll have like like you know vendors and food vendors and then uh the dock jumping event itself usually will play music and it's just kind of a big party and everybody likes each other and yeah. um everybody is cheering for each other's dogs and it's just a lot of fun it's one of my favorite things to do my dog of course made it fun for me because she was good yeah but um right. i would still be happy to jump with any dog that's that's going to go off the dock to just i have another coolie who absolutely lives for dock jumping but she has no baller toy drive so I can't get her to go very far. Oh, wow. Um, but that's okay. She will jump in over and over and over and right. over and over. And all I have to do is say, ready, go, and she jumps in. <laughs> so um, I'm working on her ball drive now to see if we can't get her to connect to the ball. But if not, she's having a blast, and she just really enjoys it. Yeah, that's the most it, It's another trait about the coolie. Mm-hmm. that I find different from a lot of working breeds. Um, coolies are very, they're kind of a relaxed breed. So what what I mean by that is they use their off button very well. My coolie, my, my oldest one, when I did agility, when she was waiting in line to go up for her turn, she'd lay down and fall asleep. Um, and when she did her dock jumping, her muscles were just relaxed. Mm-hmm. Her legs were just hanging. It didn't look like she was putting an ounce of energy into her jump, but yet she'd fly, had amazing pop, would be way up in the air and fly through the air and um, do a 25-foot jump. Um, they they really use their, their bodies efficiently, very efficiently. They don't look like they're... They often don't look like they're running super fast, but their times will be faster than other dogs Mm -hmm. because they run so smoothly and efficiently. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Sometimes they don't like water. Yeah. But um, a lot of them do. Yeah. That's kind of typical of most dogs, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's typical. They're not bred to like water, like a lab or a golden, but Mm -hmm. but they very often do. Neither is a border collie necessarily bred to like water, but, mm-hmm. you know, they very often do. 
So what are some of the traits that they have that, that work really well for the scent work, the, you know, the tracking and the, and the search and rescue? Their noses are just incredible. Mm-hmm. Just incredible. They, um, they can, I mean, any dog can smell anything. A dog's, 40% of a dog's brain is dedicated to its nose. So mm-hmm. their noses are just incredible as a species. Um, but they, um, they, they just seem to understand, uh, using their nose to communicate Mm -hmm. with you. So basically you teach them what you want them to find and they really understand how to find it. Mm -hmm. They love people. So they're great for something like search and rescue because when they find the person, they think that they're just having a big party. They think that it's just a, a blast um, that we found someone. And um, they're super athletic, so they can go through woods and they can go climb hills and um, they can go through rough terrain. Um, just very easy to work. Um, their athleticism allows them to do a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Well, they're in New Zealand, too, which is pretty close to Australia. Right. And then there's a couple breeders in Europe. Um, I believe Poland, maybe Germany, maybe Finland. Um, so they're becoming more popular in, um, in, in, Euro- in Europe as well. Well, Finland has a lot of its own amazing breeds, too, yeah. like the Finnish Spitz. Yeah. No, it's a pretty amazing breed heard good things about them as well yeah um i would like to theoretically import another dog or two from australia i probably wouldn't house them myself but rather co-own um i'm kind of reaching my limit of coolies Mm -hmm. that that i have in my house but i would probably uh co-own with um maybe a couple of people that i have given breeding permission to Mm -hmm. um so that we can again bring in some more unique um, bloodlines and continue to build the diversity in that way. Um, I really want to continue marketing these dogs to um, search and rescue type or scent work, working um, uh, jobs. Oh, I have another person that I think is going to do um, in my last litter. I forgot about that one. She's going to do some serious uh maybe drug detection with her dog honestly um yeah but i really want to market them to um and build them up and build their name in that search and rescue type working scent working Mm -hmm. nose Mm -hmm. uh detection dog world um and i also as i said i want to have um these I I love my active pet homes. I absolutely love them. I am very, very, very pro letting a dog be a dog and letting them live the life they should live and do the natural things they should do. Um, just at the side of their human being. So for me, um, it's really, really... Um, important to to spread awareness that these dogs can be amazing pets mm-hmm. another breed to breed with coolies yeah just to make sure that you're you're diversifying the bloodlines and and breeding a, a, a dog that does what you want to do want it to do i would like to look into something that has very 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 primitive um uh dna so um I also have a Vietnamese Fuquoc. That wouldn't be the right breed because they have the ridge, they're a ridgeback. But um, something that's like a land race that um, is, um, it got a lot of old primitive blood, even possibly um, maybe a village dog or a street dog yeah. mm-hmm. from, um, you know, an Asian country, something like that. So you can get a lot of um, uh, 
just really old, healthy dog DNA. I'm not at the point that I would do that, though. At no. this point, mm-hmm. I, I prefer to keep the coolies pure mm-hmm. and just keep trying to get more um, different, you know, trying to get dogs from different, um, uh, even from some uh, stations in Australia that the dogs haven't been used for breeding or sports, but have been strictly bred for herding mm-hmm. and working on, um, you know, on a station property. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so some very old um, coolie DNA, that would be something that I would really probably look towards bringing in is is some of the old unused coolies that really aren't being marketed to the general public right yeah for sure so you have a uh, Vietnamese Fuqua what how is that dog compared to the uh, coolie what what are some of the interesting traits very very different he's more aloof um stronger prey drive he gets along with them really well the the coolies play herding games which is like one of the games we play is ready go and the dog the coolies will all line up one behind each other and i say ready go and then they run to the other end you know run far away and then run back he doesn't really quite understand (laughs) what's going there but he'll go and dig and and you know like do a little bit of hunting here and there um very um very intelligent harder to train in terms of obedience type training needing to train him as i need him he needs to think that things are his idea so i have to get him to think that whatever um i want him to do is his idea Yes, very, very different. And I do a lot of work with the primitive breeds because, well, you know, there's such this influx of dogs from Asia being imported from meat farms and um, from Morocco and India. And and even from down in Texas where these dogs have been, they're mixes, but they've been free-ranging and never have lived in a home. And these dogs are not like your normal dog. They don't necessarily do well in a home. And I, um, I do a lot of work training um, people that adopt these dogs thinking that they're going to be, you know, the typical fur baby when yeah. they're not. No. I have to say it's the same thing with the coolies. People, some of the people that buy my puppies mm-hmm. that um, I try to explain to everybody that these dogs are slow to mature. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people still don't get it until the dog is like a year, a year and a half. And then they'll be telling me prior to this that, oh, my dog's not doing what I thought it was going to do. And then all of a sudden at a year and a year and a half, they're like, oh, wow. I'm like, I told you, mm-hmm. they're slow to mature. It's interesting, though, too. There's a trend in dog training uh-huh. going away from actually some of us call it untraining. Uh-huh where we're going away from the actual learning sits and stays and that kind of stuff, which is fine to all learn that, but it's more kind of an anthology-based thing where we're learning, we're paying attention to what the dog was bred for, uh-huh. how dogs, how the individual dog acts, how the breed should act, and how the species acts. And um, I, um, I work a lot with this, and it's amazing how quickly dogs with issues can come around when people suddenly start to look at what the dog is actually saying, when the dog is telling you. I mean, because no matter what way we look at it, every one of our dogs, unless they live on a farm and have total you know, free-range abilities, they're captive animals. All my dogs are, you know, they live in a house. They're captive animals. They're, we give them their food. They don't hunt. They don't scavenge. Um, 
So um, a lot of dogs can be very, very fearful mm-hmm. because they just don't understand um, the environment they're being thrown into. Mm-hmm. And the new tr- this new trend in training is just amazing because it's more about just how do dogs act and stop making them not be dogs. Right. You know, dogs use their nose. Stop not letting a dog sniff. Right. Uh, understand that when your dog growls, it's communicating. Understand that you shouldn't stick your hands out. Dogs typically don't like to be touched by people they don't know. Mm-hmm. Dogs don't need to get touched by everyone in the world. Don't Dogs don't need to say hello to every dog in the world. It's quite a, 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 an amazing a revolution that's kind of going on in the dog training world right now. Um, what got me into that? My coolies, actually, when I started doing agility, um, I um, became addicted with my first coolie. I just got addicted to agility. And I took classes from every trainer I possibly could. And then um, the place that I was trained, one of the places that I was training at, the owner actually got bit very badly by a dog and she wanted to retire and I like took over training for her, um, her students until she could, you know, make changes. And then when she retired, I went to another place and that lady, I took private lessons from her and that lady ended up, they ended up deciding they were going to move to Florida and she asked me about uh, buying her business, so I did, and that was about 15, 20 years ago, um, and I didn't know that much about training. I started out to be an agility trainer, uh-huh. but very quickly realized that uh, my interests were in behavior, so I focused on, very early on, focused on fear. Um, in Western New York, I'm probably the best trainer for fearful dogs. Mm -hmm. Um, There are other trainers for aggression and reactive dogs. I don't terribly like teaching reactive dogs who are barky and loud. I like teaching more fear or true aggression where it's not gonna, there's not gonna be much barking. Yeah. But, um, so I I started as a positive reinforcement trainer and a clicker trainer and Again, very quickly, I think I've always been kind of, I I like to say I've been ahead of my time in what I do because with everything I think about in terms of training, a few years later, someone else will say, and I'll be like, I've been doing that forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I didn't stick with strict positive reinforcement training because um, I wanted to explore more about giving dogs choice. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then I quickly learned that even giving choice the way like, for instance, clicker training can do is still not a choice because it's saying there's the right choice and the wrong choice. You get to make it, but only one of them is right. And that's fine when you're training um, a behavior, but it's not, doesn't necessarily um, give the dog the benefit of um, really being able to make a choice about what he or she wants to do um, or can do in any given moment in time. So for a while I called myself a choice-based trainer and then I moved away from that because I started to realize that even food rewards can be aversive. Um, and I am Though I'm not a aversive trainer, I don't use prong collars or shock collars or leash corrections at all. Um, I also realize that, especially when you're talking a dog with fear, just maybe coming into a building to do a class can be aversive alone, mm-hmm. or trying to force a dog to take a treat, or trying to reach your hand out with a treat to try to make friends with the dog. All those things can be highly aversive. So um, 
I don't, I don't any longer use the quadrants, the positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, positive punishment, negative punishment. I don't use those anymore because I don't think, I think that they have gotten people stuck in boxes instead of realizing that most things that a dog will encounter can be a combination of those things or really nothing at all. Mm -hmm. The dog, and it depends on how the dog feels. You could take a Malinois that you could beat over the head and it won't affect it in any way, shape or form. But you may have another dog that looking at it wrong is gonna make it want to bite you. Right. So I don't, I've gotten away from the, the quadrants completely and I now do everything based on based on ethology. I've educated myself quite a bit as to what um, how dogs act as a species. I'm um, taking a course to become a um, body language specialist, um, and um, I have taken quite a few other courses. And and um, my focus is on teaching dogs to relax, um, teaching handlers to understand what their dog is saying at any given moment. And instead of using treats as a reward or a distraction, I'm using them as a gauge of how comfortable is my dog at this moment in time. Can my dog take food? If my dog cannot, my dog is not comfortable. And I need to do something to help my dog. If my dog can take food, then my dog is comfortable and we can maybe proceed. But, um, and then I've gone from using commands, which are you tell your dog to do something and you, you correct the dog if it does not do it, to a cue, which is ask your dog to do something and reward when it does to conversation, which is kind of what I do now, more like a conversational form of training where my dog tells me things about what he feels in the environment and I tell my dog things about what I'd like him to do and we kind of converse back and forth as to whether my dog can do this right now. Um, So if my dog can look at something, maybe we can move closer to it. If my dog can't look at something, we need to move away. Yeah. And to me, the dog is always the dog. Yeah. That's the one thing that doesn't change is a dog is a dog. Yeah. They evolved to be dogs. They evolved to fit into a certain niche. And um, then they also have been bred consciously by people, but they are still a dog. Mm-hmm. So that's the one constant in training is that you're working with a dog. And rather than trying to turn that animal into a fur baby or a little human or sports equipment or a robot, why don't you try to help it be the best dog it can be? Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. So is there any questions that you don't think I asked that can convey anything Um, more about the coolies? I think I never really got to the negative parts about them. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Um, so again, I said that their positives are often their negatives. I think that's the case with most breeds. What what a, a lover of the breed thinks is their is the positives may be negative to other breeds. You know, it, it's the idea that that coolies being very smart and sensitive is great for some people, but yet. If you're not a good trainer, it might not be the best option for you. Right. I think you need to really, and really be able to step outside of the box with a coolie. You really can't go by the book. You have to be able to say, all right, well, this isn't working. Let's figure out what this dog is doing and what this dog needs and train the dog in front of you, not by using corrections and force, but by by communicating with them and understanding what, how they work. The other thing with them is they are, like as I said earlier, they like to be on top of things. So if you have issues with your dogs on furniture, you probably don't want a coolie. <laughs> um, 
they my dining room table is a dog bed my it's there's always a blanket on it my dogs lay on my dining room table <laughs> um they um good things they have almost natural recalls um the only way they're not going to come back and want to be with you is if you're a cruel um cruel to them but they pretty much love being with people um they can have they're they're good with people and other dogs but they can have the typical herding dog um occasional resource guarding or Mm -hmm. you know being wary of other dogs sometimes Mm -hmm. um they're not an aggressive breed by any means but um you know there's the potential that they may need to be um slowly introduced to other dogs um and they're not typically the type of dogs that want to go to play groups or dog parks they don't really want to um you know they want to be with with their person or working or mm-hmm. playing but not so much I mean I've gone on hikes with a couple of my dogs and somebody else with their dogs and my dogs will literally um just hang out with me and 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 my other dogs they won't interact with the other people's dogs they mm-hmm. just ignore them um which is typical of a herding breed that's kind of the way they are so some people may not like that but it's also good for um you know dogs to have a dog that just kind of minds its own business mm-hmm. they are super smart super smart and really, really want to please you. But they also want to have fun. Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought about breeding the Fuquaks? I am thinking about it. Yes. Um, my my breeder, the the Fuquak breeder that um, that I got my dog from, would really, really like me to. But she's also hesitant to have me use him. Because, again, there's less DNA from Fuquaks in North America than there is for Coolies. Mm-hmm. Um, I am on a list to get a female, hopefully in the new, near future. And, um, but it would be from the same breeder, so a sibling. So I couldn't breed the two of them. But I could um, use the female and um, find another male um, somewhere else to breed. And I'm definitely thinking about it, but my concern is... They're not a dog for everybody. So definitely not a dog for everybody. Could potentially be aggressive in the wrong hands. And I'm not sure that I can find the, enough of the right type of people to um, to place them with. What breed a dog or a mix of dog that you kind of like take a big gasp like oh no here we go when you're when you're training that i don't like kind of yeah that you just were like oh god this is gonna be a challenge and this it's like scratching a chalkboard type of situation uh, labradors i knew it i knew it <laughs> Oh, God. I love them. I had a lamb, and I love that dog, but they are aggressively friendly, and, yeah. and yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I actually teach in a lab class that's only for, like, labs and goldens. Yeah. Because of their uh, their issues with jumping on people. Yeah. And, and um, inability to stay calm and inability to focus. Yeah. And, so I have a whole, I do a whole class for those dogs. and But I've also, um, when I started that class, I used to dread going in to, um, when I started it, I was teaching two black lab males private lessons. And I used to dread going in to work with them because I'd be scratched all over the place. And yeah. the one dog is still with me doing phenomenal The other one kind of gave up. Mm -hmm. I love 
Field wines, yeah. Goldens, and Labs. Yeah. They're a completely different. They're a completely different thing. They're a serious animal. They're a serious animal. Yeah. Yeah, I was amazed. I was amazed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it runs the whole gamut. Yeah. But the typical pet lab, um, you're right, doesn't understand dog body language, yeah. doesn't know how to act around other dogs. Yeah. Don't know what to do with their energy. That I've never been around? Yeah. A breed. A Carolina dog. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Most definitely. And I may I may get one someday. Yeah. No, that they're Yeah. They're interesting dogs. I don't yeah, know much about them unique, except very... what I've read and seen, yeah. Yeah. Okay, what is your favorite small dog? Little lap dog, but you know, could be fun to be around and have some some uh energy, but you're typically a lap dog. Do miniature pinchers count? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, yeah, them. I've had miniature pinchers and I adore them. They're little toughies. Yeah, I've, I, I'm, I'm thinking about getting one eventually. Um, oh, I love them. Yeah. Again, not for everybody, but they're really, really cool. I well, they're them. they're little Spitfires, and and I know that probably might some people might not like that, but I, I like it. I do too. Yeah. And for my, if you were if you weren't gonna ask, what would be the big dog I would get? What would be your big dog? Yes. An Akbash. That's why I have a, uh, it's funny that you say that. I have, uh, laying on my couch right now, he's uh, three quarters Anatolian Kangol and, and one quarter Akbosh. Oh, really? Cool. And I could definitely tell this Akbosh, he's got, he, he's pretty white. His his dad was the half Akbosh. Okay. Yeah, so he's, he's de- I could definitely tell he's got Akbosh in him. Yeah. I um, keep telling my husband I'm going to get goats so I can get knockbash. Yeah, for sure. All right. Awesome. Well, I, again, I appreciate your time, and it was really fun uh, listening uh, to, to your experiences. Thank you. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. All right. And I'll keep you posted on my, uh, you know, the closer I get to finishing and stuff. Okay. All right. Thank you awesome. very much. Thank you. Uh-huh. Hey, this is uh, Sean from the Bulldog Social Club Podcast. I have a quick favor for you. If you live in the Kansas City, Missouri area and are looking to buy or sell a house, uh, please contact my wife. Uh, she's a hardworking real estate agent uh, looking for looking for some business, and she'll make sure that you, uh, you meet all your needs. Uh, if you're actually looking to move to the Kansas City, Missouri area, again, contact my wife, and she'll work extra hard for you, and she'll get you into that uh, – that house that you're looking for in the good area and uh you'll be doing me a favor by uh getting her some business thank you very much bye